Major League Baseball. This is the Nosebleeds Podcast on WFUV Sports. Put us in, coach. We're ready to play. It's just about time for March baseball, which means all the players have dusted off the cobwebs. Probably at this point, we're going to start seeing a lot more regulars playing in spring training, which is always a good time. We'll finally start to get a fresh look at these players. I'm your first-time host of this show, Nick Palmer, alongside Maddie Bumonte and Dan Bartels. Uh, Brian Raybacks is pinch-hitting behind the plate, really just filling in in a crucial spot. Doing just his best Giancarlo Stanton. But... Doing his best yeah. Giancarlo Stanton uh, without the limp or the... <laughs> like, I'm not concerned that your Achilles is going to pop in the next hour, Brian, but for Giancarlo Stanton, that's a different story. Uh, welcome to this show that... I've listened to a bunch of times, haven't been a part of it, but this is a great time to be talking about baseball. Uh, I want to know, for you guys, what's one storyline in spring training, just to open things up, that has really spoke to you and has made you excited about the 2024 season? I'm keeping it broad. We'll start with you, Dan. I mean, there's a lot of different things to look at. Uh both in New York, really exciting times. A lot of young prospects for the Mets and the Yankees to look at. We'll get into it. In terms of baseball, I mean, you know, you look at the different free agents that are still on the board. We'll get into that. That's very interesting why they're still around. But, yeah, just a really good time, February 28th. Um, about to hit March and get rolling. So excited. Yeah, I kind of agree. I think it's just seeing all the big stars now kind of flock to New York. You see Soto come to New York. That's huge to see, even if I am not the hugest fan of seeing him where he landed. You know, it's still really exciting for, I think, the sport. Um, and like you said, Dan, the all the options that are still on the table that people have been talking about on the daily, from Snell to Montgomery and Chapman, everybody that's on the board still, that I feel like every day it's like back and forth, where whether it's like, oh, yeah, they're definitely going to be here. And then the next day it's like there's no shot. So it's really fun. It keeps me on my toes. I guess on that topic, just really quickly, do you guys agree that there should be a deadline for when players should have to sign before spring training like some people are suggesting right now? There might have to be after this year. Yeah. You know, you, Scott Boris is four or still, you know, just lingering around, you know, Still waiting on Snell, still waiting on Montgomery, Chapman, J.D. It's like there might have to be a, a date in place that says you have to be signed by now. I think, yeah, I think it comes down to Boris's just like overall reach in Major League Baseball now with how much influence he has and really just trying to even the deals that he's gotten like with Bellinger that we'll talk about a little bit. I, like I understand, but it's not to the level I think that warrants his clients to be waiting for so long because it just impacts the team at the end of the day. You're not getting that time to gel with your team because you're signing so late. It's just kind of a thing that I don't, I've never understood, but I think it's just a Boris specific thing that has just become so worse over the last couple of years. Well, you mentioned Cody Bellinger, so I think we should just get into it. Cody Bellinger is now a cub. Uh, they have signed him to a three-year $80 million deal, which allows Bellinger to opt out after both the first and second years of the deal which he's 28 years old. He's kind of a utility man, but also just absolutely rakes. He's a left-handed 
power hitter. And he will be able to hit the free agency market if he has a good year. So this is what's great for Cody Bellinger about this is he's just got to have one good year in the next three years, hit the free agency market, get his bag, and call it a career. Yeah, I don't think... To me, when I looked at this whole deal, it made no sense for him to go anywhere else. Like, he was always going to stay with the Cubs, in my mind, mainly because all he won was this short-term deal just with a higher AAV, and they have former Mets prospect Pete Crow Armstrong on their team now, mm-hmm. who is going to be developed in the the league to take over a Bellinger role. So they don't need Bellinger for longer than what they needed. So to me, the holdup on this deal was really weird because I was like, you guys want the same thing. Like, just get it done. Um, and of course, like he hit great last year. I don't think he regresses to the level he had back in like 2020 to like 2022. I think he'll be fine. He just needs that one little spark, and then he's set. And I don't think that's a problem. Also, how bad are Pete Crow Armstrong's jerseys going to look with the <laughs> rounded lettering on the back? Anyway, <laughs> that's a whole Fanatics discussion. I'm, I'm going to let you harp on Belly real yeah, quick. A lot of what Maddie said, I think good for the Cubs. Uh, happened to like 3 a.m., which was also weird. Yeah. Um, Pass and dropped it, right? One of them, Probably, yeah. 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 it was definitely one of them. Um, three-year deal, $80 million, 26 and a half AAV. I just think the Cubs are taking on a lot of risk in this scenario. Like, you're giving a guy two opt-outs in a three-year deal. You're basically saying to him, you know, the only way this contract works out where you get the $80 million is if you're bad or if you're hurt. There's no other way. So he could still play A-plus defense. Obviously, the 2019 MVP that he was, I don't know if we'll ever get back to that point, but hopefully it's a domino effect for other free agents, too, to get signed. Well, you're talking about other free agents, so let's, I guess, go down the list of s-tier players that you definitely want on your team that if you get them could increase your chances massively of making the playoffs starting with Blake Snell now there, there were a lot of things swirling about Snell in the last week I can count I can't even count on one hand how many times Yankee fans on Twitter have just blown up being like oh my gosh it's gonna happen in the next <laughs> hour right now people are really cold on it which sucks to hear um we don't know if Snell's going to happen. It's looking still unlikely, even though talks are happening. It would be nice to have the two 2023 Cy Young winners on the same staff. That'd be really nice. But I am also of the opinion that Blake Snell is overrated, and I also don't like him at all. So that's I, my take on it. What, what, what's I your don't take even think any? it's that. I think if you're looking at just from a numbers thing, when they decided to get Stroman, they kind of threw the plan out the window just because of how their salary looks like with their taxing. Um, and And so, and this is the same thing that is going on with Montgomery in terms of teams don't want to give up the potential of having to give up draft picks, having to give up a higher tax to do all of these things for the long run just to have Snell for what, like a couple of years, even if he performs to a level that they're going to be satisfied with. So I, I just think that this is the same thing we're seeing across the board with the Boris clients, and I don't think the Yankees are going to get into this one, not even just because of if you think he's overrated or not. I don't think money-wise they really can work this deal out at all. And Dan, um, he rejected a five-year offer from the Yankees just like a month or so ago. Uh, And also, if the Yankees want to sign Juan Soto long-term, you have to keep that into consideration. So do you think Snell is likely, or if so, where do you think he's going to go? I mean, if he was to go anywhere, I'd probably say the Yankees or the Mariners. Um, Yankees just because of the whole pitching order that they have in place, and he could definitely make an impact. The Mariners just because I constantly see him on social media doing things with kids out west in Seattle. So he's obviously from there. He wants to stay out there, but... Listen, if he goes to the Yankees, that really puts you guys over the top. Like, you know, the people look at Snell and say he never had over 200 innings pitched in his Cy Young seasons. It's like, okay, but 
he pitches himself out of trouble and he does it really well. Yeah, except he walks like right. yeah. every other batter. But that's fine as long as you get people out and don't give up runs. Uh, finally, just real quick, I guess we'll just lump them here together. Matt Chapman, J.D. Martinez. These are two guys who had great years last year, especially J.D. Martinez. Unexpectedly, absolutely raked. Had, I think, over 40 bombs, didn't he? I don't know if it was, uh, it, was close, it was close to there. Yeah. Oh, really? I don't know if it was 40. Uh, let's take a look. 32, maybe? Maybe it was somewhere around there. I apologize for not having this firsthand. No, it's fine. Um, but, yeah, he's a guy that you Oh, yeah, no. Uh, 33 bombs. 33, 33 bombs. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but, you know, hit remarkably well. They were really, no one expected that from him. Also, if you're going to hit 271 with 33 bombs, you absolutely <laughs> yeah. take that in the DH position from someone who you got on a discount who they said was washed up. Matt Chapman on the back half of his career, still an elite defensive third baseman. If you are, let's say you are the Mets and you want one of these two guys, I know you're probably not going to go for them, but which one would you prefer and why? Um, well, I actually am glad you asked that because that was going to be what I was going to say about J.D. Martinez is I think that he could be very useful as a DH down the line. Yeah. Um, right now they have Vientos and Stewart. Vientos, who is obviously the longer term solution for the Mets, but cannot play to a level I think every day that um, Stewart can remedy in terms of like a long term solution. So J.D. Martinez coming in being that kind of guy. Um, could incline the DH spot, but the Mets, for some reason, are not inclined to do so. Like There have been reports that said that they are not interested in doing something like that right now. They are focused elsewhere. That's not their priority, but I don't see why that shouldn't be their priority to do something like yeah. that. Where hitting, is elsewhere? Hitting yeah. in the DH spot was like 20-something in Major League Baseball last year because of how poor the Mets did at the DH. And of course, now we've seen offloads, and we've seen kind of a change in who is DHing, but Still, I don't think it hurts to have a guy who can slug like J.D. Martinez. I mean, aside from the Mets, I feel like my other favorite thing about spring training and these off-season things has been just who are the Angels going to go after at this point? Because I feel like the Angels are going to go after somebody, and it just is nobody. The Angels could make an offer for him as well. The Giants got turned down by him. Um, they signed Solaire, and now like the Angels have no Shohei Otani. They have no power bat anymore. Why not go for somebody like that? Keep keep a guy on the West Coast or get a guy to the West Coast, rather. And I don't know. I would like to see the Mets pick up someone like him. Um, Chapman is fine. I like him. I just, I don't know. I just don't see him as well as I think a J.D. Martinez could slug t in terms of helping Vientos. Uh, I think J.D. Martinez, the Mets looked at him, but he doesn't play defense. Like, that's a big thing. No, but I, I but you could get him for the DH, and I wanted to sort of segue this into our Mets talk because you have DJ Stewart as your probable DH right. on mm -hmm. opening day. DJ to JD. Right. Yeah. Like, come you. on. I that's a big upgrade there. It's not pretty, but, yeah, the, I think the Mets kind of just know it's a bridge year. They, they know what they have in-house. Brett Beatty, Mark Vientos, DJ Stewart. They got, they're just going to have to see what they got at this point. They have no other option. They traded away Scherzer and Verlander. You don't. Mm -hmm. you can't really play any more cards now. It's just what you have. Well, yeah. Dan, you're, you're very in tune with Mets spring training, so I'm going to give you the first crack at this. Give me your Mets opening day starting lineup from top to bottom, and then Maddie and I will critique as to where we think you went wrong. Okay, so I think about this a lot. Um it depends if Marte has a good year, because if he does have a good year, yeah. um, Nimmo will be leading off. I don't think that should be questioned, at least for now. Some people I say agree. he should be like the four hitter because he has pop. Now, I don't, I'm not buying into that yet. 
Marte, two. Lindor shortstop, third. Pete, fourth. Alvarez protecting Pete, which is certainly a little interesting, but I think he's I think he's proven it. It's confidence. Mm-hmm. I th- you know, give him the confidence. I, th- I think he's earned it. McNeil right behind him. You could put McNeil at the nine hole too, but I, that's where Bader's going to be, and then Vientos, Beatty, Bader. Where where are your gripes? Because I have a couple, but I, um, I'm I'm gonna let the Mets. Not the Mets a lot, first. actually. I agree with the Nimo comment. I just if it's not broke, don't fix it. Right. Situation where he's been fine at the one. I don't think they should shift him back. I think the four has just worked well for Alonso, and that j- I just right. don't get that. So I agree with you on that front. I agree that a lot of this does rely on Marte having a good year, and I cannot be confident that he's going <laughs> to have a good year anymore. And it's not even that. It's just. His his injuries that are so prone that that really get me and and frustrate me um, across the board. Um, I know I'll give you a shout out because I know you wanted to talk about it and we we didn't talk about it um, either later in the season seeing like a Trace Thompson play an outfield position <laughs> or even a Tyrone Taylor play an outfield position right. to help remedy a Marte injury which will be certain to happen right. at some point this year could be cool to see. But in terms of keeping that standard Marte would be probably be in that spot the Alvarez thing is the only thing I'm uncertain about and I think that really just depends on how his first opening weeks go mm-hmm. I think that it's very um not certain on how it plays because I would put him more closer to a seven but I think that it's not hopeless to think that he could do something a little bit uh, higher up in the lineup be awesome so I I don't have problems with any of your reasoning. I just came to a different conclusion. Okay. Uh, I agree Brendan Nimmo is your leadoff guy. That should not change. Even if he has a good year, bad year, he's very talented and is suited for leadoff spot. Second, I have Jeff McNeil. Um, Interesting. I think that obviously he's not going to replicate what happened two seasons ago. I think that was probably a one-off, but I I don't think that can mean that he's not going to be able to hit 285 in the two-hole. You don't and think he can hit 300 ever again? Maybe he can hit 300, but I'd be happy with him hitting, hitting 290 in the three-hole and just slapping singles and doubles the right. other way. I'm very happy with that. Um, I have Frankie Lindor uh, batting third at shortstop. I think he's when he's healthy, he's very talented. Pete Alonso in the four-hole. Starling Marte in the five-hole, backed up by, unfortunately, DJ Stewart. Mm. Um, unless if you get a guy. Uh, then I have Francisco Alvarez under him, unless if he proves himself, I could totally see flopping six mm-hmm. and seven there. Then I have Brett Beatty hitting eight and Harrison Bader in yeah. your nine hole. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that is the best lineup you can put. I'm not out so there sure DJ right Stewart's going to be the starting DH, though. I, who, who do you I'm have? not confident either. Yeah. Who do you have? I have Vientos. Yeah, I think okay. it could be Vientos. I, I, I see that totally. Tomato, tomato. Yeah. Tomato, tomato, your DH is <laughs> probably the weakest part of your team. <laughs> yeah. I think one thing that is important as well and maybe you were going to ask about this but i had to get this out there because it was bothering me Mm. who what our opening day starter looks like right now Mm. um yes should we get into that yeah can we get into that yeah let's talk about kodai senga who will not be your opening day starter uh that sucks i i like him a lot uh 31 year old diagnosed with a moderate posterior capsule strain uh fancy for he hurt his shoulder uh (laughs) after an mri last wednesday uh he's getting a shot a cortisone shot yep uh Mm -hmm. which hopefully will you know he's not going to throw or do anything for three weeks but hopefully after that he'll stand up just how much of a your your rotation was already probably the weakest part of your team and now 
the pitcher who was arguably in the Cy Young race last year is not going to be there probably for the opening month of baseball, if we're honest. At least. It's, it's not like, fun. It's not fun anymore. I'd, I'd, listen, I don't get this. You know this injury is happening. You are now stuck with the possibility of McGill, Buto, and who's the third one that I'm thinking of? Quintana Hauser. Quintana Hauser. Everybody like in that rotation to take that spot. I, personally, Sean Manaya. Manaya. Uh, yeah, that's true. You, you have to be banking on him heavily. You really do. That's why it's not going to happen. But and Sevi, come on. Oh my, oh my goodness. God. My thing <laughs> is like, you see this happening. Why not just like relook at a guy like Snell? Why not just relook at somebody on the market right now? Because you're really struggling at this point. Like you can obviously look in house, and that's what they're going to do. But you have these options on the table. You have Monty. You have Snell take a look or at least put something in at this point because this uh, the Mets timeline for injuries is not a real thing they say he's not throwing for three weeks and then it's like in limbo to see how long it's going to be what is like end of May they said that he'll return like it's it's ridiculous at this point to see that this is what we're dealing with um oh Lucchese was another guy I was Mm. thinking of that could be up there as well um to me I see this falling in in McGill's favor to kind of be the opening day starter. Um, But there is just no substance in the pitching right now. There is nobody. And the fact that the Mets won't even take a look at somebody else just to remedy it, even for a temporary fix is crazy to me. Uh, Yeah. I'd probably say McGill too. I think he's, he was the 2022 opening day starter and we won 101 games. I mean, he's kind of the guy on the, pitching staff that the Mets fans are kind of the most familiar with too as right. unfortunate as that is that's uh, what you have to do too it's not like you're going to yeah. throw Sean Manai out there even though he's probably the best active pitcher on your staff right now Mets fans are going to be like right who who is this yeah, yeah. 100% so uh, we'll see how it goes the rotation is definitely scary though for the Mets right now yeah in a bad way in a bad way yeah. uh let's see if there's anything else Mets we want to talk about is there um, anything that sticks out to you guys uh, Pete's gonna be a free agent after this year. Let's let's end with this. Uh, scale of one to ten, you're panic right now. I'm not really panicked, to be honest with you. Okay. I really am not. I I think that people are making it a bigger deal than it is because I think what we've seen from both the front office and then what Pete is saying is not negative. Mm. It's just that they can't find a deal right now. But it's not to a level of Pete being like, I'm frustrated with the team, like I'm frustrated with this, I'm frustrated with that. It's not to that level, so therefore I'm not panicked. They're saying that they're taking a break in negotiations to just deal with the spring training and deal with the start of the season and deal with all of that. If they want to do that, so be it. I think it's in our nature to panic, and I don't want to start panicking. Is it? Am I nervous when it gets to that certain point in the season? Of course I will be, but right now... No, I don't think it's worth panicking about right now. There's other things to panic about, like the fact that we don't have a strong opening day starter. Yeah, uh, probably like a two. I mean, I'm okay. not, I'm not okay. really a little bit, but not really, because I think Pete Alonso loves New York. It's obvious. I mean, you looked at every single MLB opening day photo on their Instagram. Who's smiling the, the biggest? It's Pete, Pete Alonso. Alonso. He's happy. That man. guy has a great he, time. He is very happy. And that power does not grow on trees. And I, I, I really think that, what Maddie said, the front office and everything they're saying is perfectly aligning. P. Alonzo wants to stay a Met, and the Mets, he already passed arbitration. Yeah. So it's not like, you know, we have him under control. 
But, um, yeah, I, I think he'll be a Met. There's, there's really no doubt in my mind. You're right. That power does not grow on trees. It comes from they chocolate milk. They would be milk. idiots to get rid of him. They would, they <laughs> would be idiots Stupid. to get rid of him. Let's move over to the other side of town. Let's go to the Bronx. Uh, let's talk about the Yankees, who have had an exciting first couple games. I don't think anyone can argue that. Mm. Uh, offensive production has been off the charts for this team, and I absolutely love it. Uh, I want to start with a prospect who's been a top prospect for them only for about a year uh, right after they drafted him. It's Spencer Jones. Mm. Mm -hmm. This guy is uh, huge. He's big. I'd love to see him standing next to Aaron Judge in the lineup someday and a senile Giancarlo Stanton (laughs) in his in year in the year 2029 when he's like in the last year of his contract uh I think that would be really funny he's gonna have two fake legs at that point too oh two two bionic legs (laughs) yeah still getting checks from the Marlins Giancarlo Stantron um anyway Spencer Jones is hitting 714 and seven at bats one home run four RBIs his OPS is almost two um, which is absurd. I love the way that this guy hits. It reminds me of a Matt Olson type swing, yeah. mm-hmm. which I absolutely love. He gets under the ball. Uh, I think so long as so long as that's your game plan going in and you're that kind of hitter, I think that's okay. But a lot of the time what we saw like last year was like Anthony Volpe getting under the ball. And yeah, you knock 20 out as the shortstop, and I suppose that that's good. And you come out with a golden glove and – you know, to t- over 20 stolen bags, and that's great, but you still hit around 200. So, yeah. And that's not the kind of swing that you saw from him in the minor leagues. The kind of swings you saw from him in the minor leagues are the ones you're seeing in spring training now where it's, you know, s- slicing line drives that either are down the line for a double or a triple or he's getting them for base knocks, and that's what I like from him. I really like this guy, and, and obviously the Yankees love him because they would not trade him for anything. No. <laughs> Corbin Burns was an option, and they said no. Dylan Cease was an option, and they said no. He is, like, they view him, I guess, in the same manner that they, we probably viewed um, Alvarez for a right. period of time. He was right. a no-trade mm-hmm. guy that we had, and it speaks. Like, he really is good, this guy. He's an amazing defender. He has great athleticism across the board. He has things to work on, as everybody does. His strikeout rate is a little high. His, yeah, it's it's a little it's, bad. It's not good. <laughs> it's not good. Um, he ha- doesn't have the best ground ball rate. Like These are little stats that he has that he could really improve on, and he's going to be fantastic. But what he's showing already in spring training is really impressive to me, and, and the Yankees should hold on to him for dear life because this guy has a lot of potential from what I'm seeing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he does strike out a lot, but you watch him. His plate discipline is really good. This guy is poised in the box. And I think, similar to Volpe, I mean, he needs more experience. I think certainly at the minor league level, 16 home runs, 43 stolen bags in double A. That's very good. No one denies that. But I think a couple years down the line, he's 6'6". Judge is going to need a replacement someday in right field. So he's going to go to DH, and Spencer Jones is probably your new right fielder. Right, like Spencer Jones right in the lineup next to Jason Dominguez. Oh, my God. (laughs) That would be dastardly. But but, but I want to do a little flashback to on, let's see, what what day was this? This was Sunday at around 1 p.m., Dan, when you sent to this group chat, can we talk about Soto's oh, 235 no. batting average this <laughs> oh, year? Oh no. That's that's what you said to to me and I did. to the group chat. <laughs> I did. Is it 235 anymore? No. No, it, oh it's 500. Okay. Um he has it's one home run and and <laughs> yeah, and, and 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 five RBIs and his OPS is 2.1. No, he's special. He's special. 
And I'm, I was joking with you. Obviously, right. it's three games into spring training. Let's calm down here. And to be frank, as was I. I don't think he's going to hit oh, 230. Oh, absolutely. But wouldn't that be awful if he did? Oh, my God. Well, that's like, like <laughs> have like a Joey Gallo type year where people are like, yeah, he's going to rake. And then he just hits like 220 and people just start booing him in like May. And it was just awful. I just don't know. I mean, I, that could be a possibility. We can't act like that's not gonna. Ha- I mean, no, he's come on, ha- it's Juan he's Soto. A- I think there's. It's either up here or down here with Juan yeah. Soto. He either has a really good year, the Yankees cruise to the World Series, or whatever the case may be, or he just struggles and is out of town this year. Here's here's my here's my because Yankee fans get on you. You know that very yeah. quickly. Yes, but this is what I love about having this lineup is Juan Soto is so well protected in this lineup, and he's taking over the role of Aaron Judge, where he's going to be the one who gets walked. Two thirds of the time, not Judge anymore. Judge is going to show up with Juan Soto sure. on first or second base to hit two run bombs like it's clockwork. Do you think he fares like this? Is just a general question, but do you think his transition to the American League is going to be smooth? Like, do you think because he's never played in the American League, he's only played in the NL, and that's not the hugest of deals. But for a guy that's as young as he still is, like he's still fairly young, yeah. transitioning to a whole new league side of the league with a bunch of new pitchers that he's never faced before that's got to be a little intimidating for him going in this for sure but Juan Soto also has a special ability to control the zone no matter who he's facing like the guy's plate discipline is unmatched Very to anyone Ga- Garrett mm-hmm. Cole just said a couple days ago he's like I'm so glad he's on my team because the one time I like the couple times I have faced him he's been a nightmare to pitch against so I don't think it matters who you throw him up against the 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 best part about Juan Soto is that if you give him junk, he's not going to swing at it. And if you give it to him right down the you know, plate, right. right down the plate, he will hit it a far oh, away. So, yeah. yeah. No, he's special. And even wrapping up the whole Snell thing, too, he said this past week uh, Juan Soto would be unbelievable to have uh, <laughs> Snell on the team, his former teammate. Hal said they needed pitching. They asked Hal if he was done a couple days ago, and he said, we're always we're always looking for pitching. And then they asked Judge in a press conference like two days ago. They said, do you know like if they're going to go after someone? And Judge was like, uh, yeah, you know, hey, we're always looking for people. We're all, we, you know, I know they're always looking for pitching. So, <laughs> you know, I know they say Snell is unlikely, but that got me fired up. Uh, anyway, the last two, two more things for the Yankees, then we'll predict the lineup, and then we'll do fun in-games. Uh, let's talk about Carlos Rodon because I think he's a really important figure for this Yankees team going into 2024. They got him for a big contract. They got the big lefty. That's what the rotation needed. Throws up an absolute dud of a 2023, has back problems, uh, really only gets the year started in June, July, and is ragged on by fans. I remember him blowing the kiss. That mm-hmm. was really mm-hmm. upsetting to people. And he, but he, he said it plainly. He said, "You know, I suck right now." I'm, I, I, and he said before spring training that this was the most he has a lot to prove, and he does have a lot to prove. I think he's going to pitch better this year. I think he's going to have a sub four ERA, and Yankees fans are going to be happy with him. You know what? For what the Yankees have, they don't have as much rotational depth as you'd hope. So therefore, I think you got to take what you can get when you can get it. Um, he now has a cutter. We mm. saw that in spring training the other day. That right. he, he has a cutter now, and so that went well for him. Like He's been doing pretty well in his spring training. Like you mentioned, his first season was horrific. Mm. Um, but now he seems to be settling in the spring training, and he got half of his outs. He only gave up a run in spring training. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to, to see that 
across like two and two thirds innings, he struck out five. He looks leaner too. He, he does. He, he, that right? that he adds better. a lot. Yeah. But yeah, the cutter. I'm interested to see if that really does make an emergence throughout the season. But I I don't see this as like a. I don't think it could get worse at this no. point. So I only can view this as real positive for him. It can't get worse than the 15 home runs in 64 and a third oh innings gosh. pitch she had oh last year. <laughs> the minus .9 war. But listen, semantics aside, I think the Yankees will be fine. And Rodon, we talk about Snell on the free agent side if they get him, the difference it'll make. Rodon in-house, that difference, if he is special, I mean, again, World Series type team. Uh, it really, like he is the difference. And if he's bad... You guys might miss the playoffs again. That's talk- how big of a difference he is. Well, yeah. you talked about it potentially being a World Series caliber team. Obviously, Vegas thinks so as well. I think they're in the top three or four teams favored. to. But Vegas doesn't know everything, but they sure do know a lot because they mm. keep making money. Uh, let's talk about the ideal lineup for mm. this team. Uh, all I guess because I'm the resident Yankees guy here, I will list my lineup, you say, if you have any problems with it. Okay. Okay. Uh, DJ LeMahieu is my ideal number one hitter if he's on like he was in the second half of last season and his toe's not bothering him anymore playing third base. Second, you have Juan Soto that's locked down, uh, probably playing right field. Then you have Aaron Judge in center field. Boone said he wanted Aaron Judge playing center field if he's feeling better. I saw a really disheartening quote last week that said that Judge said that he's going to have to take care of his toe for the rest of his career but if he manages it well then it shouldn't be an issue Ooh. and that sucked to hear that really sucked to hear um, he said he's gonna sorry he said he's gonna have to do constant maintenance but if it goes well he it shouldn't be a problem uh, Anthony Rizzo the unconcussed Anthony Rizzo <laughs> is in the four hole in first base they said he's cleared and all good now and he can actually hit a fastball uh, in the five-hole, I have Glaber Torres, second base, with one of the few second basemen with an OPS consistently around or over 800, which I love. Alex Verdugo in the six-hole, playing left field. Giancarlo Stanton in the DH in the seven-hole. Then I have Anthony, uh, sorry, then I have Austin Wells in the eighth-hole, catching, and Anthony Volpe in the nine-hole at shortstop. Uh, not really any complaints from me. Um, I guess just to term, I just. I think the only thing, and it's very, very, very minor, is just who hits ninth. I think that could be flipped. Yes. But that really just depends on who does well at right. that point. But I, otherwise, I really agree with this lineup that you gave. Yeah, I have everything you said except Stanton's in the four hole for me, and I just switched him and Torres. You have that much faith in him? <laughs> I mean, you have no choice but to run him out there and put him. If he's healthy, he's probably in your four or five but, hole. But five you, hole. you want a lefty after judge. And so that's why Rizzo. I like Rizzo in the four hole. Right. So then, then sorry, then five hole, five hole. Oh, you five want hole. Stanton in the five Correct. hole? Correct. Then you want like Glaber in the six hole? I want Verdugo in the six hole. Then Torres. Torres in the seven hole? Torres, Wells, Volpe. I think he's too good to hit in the seven hole. Maybe you just are spoiled in riches right now. <laughs> I'm not spoiled can't. in riches. I just, yeah, I maybe I don't. Look, I loved Alex Verdugo as a Dodger, obviously. Uh, I don't think he's as good as people are hyping him up to be also there's a trent grisham factor oh, in there he's gonna play to a lot until dominguez gets back yeah. he's yeah. gonna be playing a lot and then when dominguez comes back it's i think verdugo is probably gonna get dfa'd at that point if he's not playing well Verdugo, yeah because you, you, you have to keep field. grisham yeah because oh, he right. hits lefties for sure anyway that was a whole lot of fun that was great it's fun and games time it's Woo-hoo! fun and games time uh brian how long do we have like roughly 
excellent. That's a perfect amount of time because we're going to get in depth into this. First, we're going to do just like a little round table. What division are you most excited to see this year? Um, I'm not going to say the one you guys are going to say for sake of being different. <laughs> well, I'm and changing e- my answer. <laughs> well, but even then, like, I don't that one definitely is my favorite. I won't spoil it. But so then I'll just say I'm I'm very interested to a degree in AL East just because of the acquisitions that are there. Aside from the Yankees, the Orioles really intrigue me as a team. I'm always very excited to see what they're doing. I think the Red Sox are at the bottom of the barrel in terms of just anything can happen with them. They are so down bad that it could just work (laughs) out well for them. Um, And the Blue Jays, to me, fade into the the background in terms of things. But to see the Orioles with uh, just what they're putting together, the Yankees now having um, some star talent, and the Red Sox just being that so level of desperation I think could be very fun to watch who do you have winning the AL um that's a toss-up I think it really depends on Yankee injuries if Yankee injuries overwhelm then I'm thinking the Orioles take it but I would say in a if you ask me today the Yankees probably take it it's funny you're talking about injuries when like oh no no one's actually (laughs) injured yet and then your starting pitcher isn't starting Mm. on opening day I mean that's true. I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm I'm not being salty. That really ever. hurt. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> don't say that. Anyway, no yes, feelings sorry. will be hurt. So, yeah. so you have the Yankees winning? Yes. Okay. Who do you have winning the AL East? Probably the Orioles. Okay. And They're then too good. And then I'll let you get into the NL Central. Yeah. Because that's what we were. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I took your. No, NL I have a new one. <laughs> All right. Uh, for me, this is a really tough division. Uh, I think the Cardinals are going to bounce back, have a great year, win the division. Look at Sonny Gray, Miles Michaelis, Lance Lynn. I mean, uh, obviously, Arnado, Goldschmidt. Like, even Matt Carpenter is back on the Cardinals. Right, like, how great right. is that? So, like, we saw the loss that Yachty took the toll on that whole organization, but I think they'll really step up. Uh, two in the NL Central, I have the Cubs. I think Craig Council, Imanaga, Bellinger, that's a really good team. This one kind of is a little up in the air, but the Pirates may be fighting for that wild card mm. spot. I, I, O'Neal Cruz is back. Andrew McCutcheon's back. He is. Well, well I know, mean, yeah. Right. You know, <laughs> right. As, as, you know Paul Skeens, like uh, even Rolds Chapman. So, like, they're a pretty good team. I'm excited to watch them. Uh, this is really where it gets tough. Brewers and Reds, I think they'll probably right. just fight out for the end of the division. But I, if a team is to maybe go on a run, I could maybe see the Reds. I just don't see the Brewers doing it. It's just too much mm. turnover. I agree with that. My only concern with the Pirates is just their gaps in their lineup right now where they don't really have an established catcher. They don't really have an established first baseman or second Mm -hmm. baseman. Like That, to me, is a little up in the air, but I do agree with too much turnover with the Brewers, so I feel like they'll fall below. Um, And I think it honestly will be just a dead race for first between the Cubs and the Cardinals. I don't I think it could flip-flop. It's going to be one of those flip-flop everyday things where you see that one team goes up one game, one team goes down, one team goes back up. Like I think it's really flexible there, but I, they're the most interesting division by far just because of how everybody is so close. Yeah. Like why why is everyone so big on the Cardinals after what happened last year? They didn't make that many huge changes. They're just a well-run organization. organization. Like too. I know the I know they got Sonny Gray, but that's not going to fix their team. Well, they have like, Lynn, I, they have Gibson. Right. Yeah, Lance Lynn. Arenado. Even the Dodgers couldn't <laughs> fix Lance Lynn, and they're known for fixing pitchers. Let me tell you about the best division in baseball. <laughs> it's called the AL Central. You ever heard oh, of it? Oh, this God, is the God. most fantastic division you've ever seen in your life. Let's go through it. Oh, you got number one, boy. the Chicago White Sox. Oh. This team is destined for greatness, projected at an 
fantastic 66 wins <laughs> on the season. <laughs> then you got the Kansas City Royals, who expect a 12-year Bobby Witt Jr. contract Ooh. to fix all of their problems. Then you've got the Detroit Tigers. 77 wins projected, eight games out of first place. Tariq Skubal is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they'll be good. They'll I like you. Spencer Torkelson because of his name. Sorry, I went out of character there. That's Let me fine. tell you about the Minnesota Twins. <laughs> yeah. This team is fantastic. Projected to win the division with a cool 85 games. Oh That's goodness. an excellent record to win a division <laughs> at. And they are projected to be tied with the Cleveland Guardians <laughs> at 85 and 77. No one in this team is going in this division is going to win over 85 <laughs> games. I'm so excited to see the battle <laughs> of mid. Like, okay, the top like players in this division are like Shane Bieber who's not even good anymore who's yeah. not even good anymore <laughs> Bobby Witt Bobby Witt <laughs> who's on probably the most atrociously run team in baseball and the team can't play defense outside of him Cease uh, Jose Ramirez Jose Ramirez yes. right it's not many though Carlos Carrasco no. <laughs> this this is this is gonna be great. Anyway, that's what I'm most excited for the AL Central. Um, I, I've been like looking to like become an like an ironic fan of like an AL Central team just because it's so funny, and I'm thinking of picking the Detroit Tigers. I, I was no, gonna, gonna say you should go Detroit. Yeah. I, because I think they could like honestly win the World Series in, in like ten years, and then I'll be like I was there when they were garbage. It's the house that Maggie built. Like, look the at the, look at the D-backs this year. You'd be surprised if the Tigers went all the way to the World Series. We don't say that name in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, let's move on to some games of my devising, which are going to be fun. First, we're going to play Guess That Player. Okay? These are all current MLB players. That is the pool to choose from. They're all signed on a team for 2024. You guys each get to take turns guessing. There are three, so it's a best of it's a best of three. Uh, clues will get more general with each guess. Okay. All right. We'll uh, rock, paper, scissors to who gets to go first. Both chose scissors, and then Maddie wins with scissors over yeah. paper. <laughs> All right, Maddie, do you want to go first or let him have the first clue? Let him go first. Ooh. Okay. I'll defer. The- <laughs> All right. There are six clues in total. All right. This player hit the longest ever stat cast recorded postseason home run at 491 feet. It's not Stanton, is it? It is not. All right, Maddie, you ready? This player has caught a combined no-hitter. Oh, shoot. Um, Oh, shoot. Brian's playing along behind the glass. I'm awful with trivia. I'm awful awful with this as well. It's almost like we should just tag team this. (laughs) Brian says, I know he's a catcher. That is true. Are you struggling too, Brian? Do you want to throw out an answer? Longest stat cast. cast. Postseason home run. Salvador Perez? It's not your turn. (laughs) (laughs) No, can we we do this as a group? Why not? Because it'll get really easy. No, but let us do it now as a group. Okay, you can do it as a group. That's fine. Catchers. Catchers. I'm trying to think of when this could have occurred recently. Anytime after like 2015. Yeah. Uh, Some yeah, Statcast started in 2015. Power hitting catchers, not Darno. That's what I was originally thinking. Do you but guys I don't... want another clue? Would you tell us if we got it? Yes, we just... I would tell you if you got uh, it. My, my initial thing was Darno, but I also don't think it is. No, but only. Not. Okay, you're getting another clue. Yeah. Okay. This player has a family member who's played in the MLB. Bro. Do I have to go like catcher by catcher? And yeah. Just try to, like. 
I'm pulling up a list of catchers Contreras? now. Wilson, Boo. Wilson Contreras? That's correct. Wow. It's Wilson Contreras. Dan Bartels, one point. <laughs> Brian Brian's just as confused as we are. <laughs> this player played alongside their family member in a professional game that was the All-Star game. He drove in a run with a double in Game 7 of the 2016 World Series, and they are a, he is a World Series champion. I want to go on Savant wow. and find that uh, oh, stack yeah. cast. So uh, I can't look up just the name? No, that's cheating. No, not like l- just looking at general names. Not, oh, not oh, their, that's oh, what no, I was going that, to do. Oh, 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 that's fine. <laughs> Okay, oh, anyway. I didn't what want to year? be branded a cheater on the game. <laughs> no, you're not. You're a cheater on the on the Nosebleeds podcast. What There's year no did he hit saying. that home run? That was the stackhead. Uh, do you have that or I? I actually don't have. I'll that. I'll look it up later. Okay. Hey, Nick, you know if I'm a cheater and you know cheaters never win, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> That's true. Never. All right, player number two. Okay. This player made his debut with the Oakland Athletics. Oh, Just throw out a player. Oh, um. <laughs> Not Cespedes. No, it's not. They're they're currently playing. Okay. And are currently signed to an MLB team. I'll both give you one guess. I don't if you know. get it, it's miraculous. Um, I do not know. Hold on. Yeah. Okay. I'm going with my first guess. Kay. I had to fact check myself to make sure that he actually was still Matt Olson. No. All right, second clue. This player made their all-star debut replacing Anthony Rendon at third base. Oh. They were not voted in. They were a replacement. So it was when he was on the Nationals, right? Because he hasn't been an all-star since he's been on the Angels. So they oh, yeah. took Anthony Rendon's spot at the all-star game. So NL third baseman uh, who started with the A's. It's not... Ooh, that is quite tricky because he started in the AL. Started but if he replaced Anthony Rendon, he must have been in the NL. All right, I'll give you a third third clue. He's a World Series champion. I feel like Brian Brian has it. I don't know. I don't know. Mm. And you would consider this player a three true outcome player. And that that being when this player steps up, they're either gonna hit a dong, walk, or strike out. Hmm. This player hit a walk off home run in the eighteenth inning of the longest game in World Series history, which went seven hours and twenty minutes. He had can, a walk off Brian home run. Nodding in the back from in the, the reflection. Inning. So he started. Do you want me to run through them again? No, it was Ace. Okay. He was mm-hmm. 2019. He was a World Series champion, replaced Rendon. Mm-hmm. Three true outcome. And hit a walk-off home run in the 18th inning of the longest game in World Series history. Oh, Max this. Max Yes. That's correct. That's so stupid. Did what's, I beat Maddie by like half a second? I'll yeah. No, she got it. Half a point each. Okay, yeah. half a point each. <laughs> this is a team effort now. Third player. <laughs> I knew it was and a Dodger because I'm like he's definitely crap. Whoa, yeah. whoa, 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 whoa! I'm <laughs> very fair here. I think of what game the longest I, one was again, I and then no I was idea. like, oh, it's the it was the Red Sox game thing. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. All right, here we go. This is fun. This player's dad played for 16 seasons. Vlad? Yeah. That's... No. All right. This is the. the da- can we ask who the dad played for as a um, follow up? Sixteen seasons. Sixteen seasons. Well, I'm, I think he played for multiple 
teams, but can you just give us the team he was with the longest then? Yeah, the Texas Rangers. That's I would have said Guerrero again. Um, yeah. Most time with the Texas Rangers, his son plays now. Did he retire on the Rangers? His dad? Yeah. Uh, he retired as a Diamondback in 2001 and was a World Series champion that year. No, okay. So it wasn't. But th- this player is the only player in MLB history with 50 homers and 75 stolen bags in his first two seasons. Acuna. No. Wait, what? Wait, no, gonna... Brian. Fifth, wait, who hit 50 70? Barry Bonds? No, 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 no. Combined in his first two seasons. Oh, combined, combined. You said, wait, what were the numbers? 50. 50- 50-plus home runs and 75-plus stolen bags combined in his first two seasons. Only player in MLB history wait, to do this so. this is a... Wait, hold on. I got Does he have a dad? <laughs> hold on. Well, I think they all have dads. Well, I know. <laughs> oh, is this Bellinger's dad? No. Oh, we're not guessing the dad. We're guessing, oh. we're guessing the player who's playing now. Oh. But their dad played for 16 seasons. Is the... Person young, the son now. He's like still young. In yeah, the I can't I answer like, that. I had to make sure, but I wasn't. I can't sure. answer that. But he's he was the fifth youngest player to have thirty homers and forty steals in a single season. I mean, Bobby Witt, but I don't. That's think correct. Wow, it's Bobby Witt Jr. Really? Yeah, what? he led the he <laughs> led he what? led the AL in triples for one season. He played for Team USA in the twenty twenty three World Baseball Classic. That's why I said Acuna, but then I was like, no, Bobby. Wait. Yeah. His dad played on the His dad played for 16 seasons wow. and was a 2001 World Series champion. Next game and final game. Woo. Okay. This game is called Contract Deferral, Platoon, Sell for a Bucket of Baseball. <laughs> it's a rendition on the popular game FMK for people yeah. who know what that means. Also known as Smooch, Mary Kill. Mm. 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 We have four four games all right here we go i'm giving you three players okay sell for a bucket of baseballs platoon i'm not gonna remember that part give them a huge <laughs> i'm going i'm just gonna say smooch mary kill i'm not gonna remember what you that's said that's fine but i appreciate the sentiment josh bell oh god <laughs> we'll start there ryan mountcastle all right okay nathaniel low Probably deferral low. Yeah. I'm selling Josh Bell for a bucket of baseballs. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like platoon. Uh, yeah. Platoon Ryan Mountcastle. Right, right. Yeah. You agree? I, would I don't agree know. With that. I, having Ryan Mountcastle every day is pretty good. I think the O's are in pretty good hands there. Josh Bell is washed. Yeah. Well, yeah. I would sell him for a bucket <laughs> of baseballs. <laughs> Nathaniel Love's pretty good though. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. That, I like him. All right. Next one. Trey Turner, Frankie Lindor, Ellie De La Cruz. These are some elite shortstops. This is really difficult, actually. And one of them gets sent for a bucket of baseballs. I'm, de- um, I'm going to defer Lindor. I think he's better than Trey Turner. You're going to what? Defer Lindor. Okay. I think he's better. I um, was just going to go on the basis Brian that agrees. I just can't support Trey, Trey Turner's Turner. tune. Yeah, I, don't, <laughs> I just can't. He's support. trying to set us up. Trey yeah. Turner's pretty good, though. I know he's really good, and he's six slides, but I can't. And he's fast. <laughs> and he's fast. But and he hits like his OBP is like similar to Frankie Lindor's when he's having a good year. Yeah. And it took him a while to get adjusted. Yeah, but he plays for the Phillies. Well, I'm giving a huge 
contract deferral to Trey Turner. <laughs> I'm platooning Frankie Lindor and selling Ellie De La Cruz for a tall bucket of baseballs. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um. All right. Brian Reynolds, George Springer, and Nick Castellanos. For me, I'm I, handing that contract deferral to Brian Reynolds. I'm platooning George Springer, and I'm selling Nick Castellanos alongside his son because I'm not cruel. Wow. Brian agrees. I would agree. It just really hurts selling him. Yeah. Why? You like That's him? Just all the memories. <laughs> <laughs> just everything that he's been through. Right. So... But yes, I would sell him. Yeah, I'd you'd agree? agree. Yeah, I'd agree on that. Yeah. Okay. Well, we can move on to our next one. And there's a drive into deep left field by Castellanos. <laughs> and we'll be okay. Sorry. Exactly. That's who you want. I, to sell. I had to do that once on the air, and I thought this was a safe place. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. Last one before we wrap things up here on Nosebleeds, WFEV's best if only baseball podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Garrett Cole, Spencer Strider, and Blake Snell. You later. So, I will sell Spencer Strider for a bucket of baseball. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I hate him mm -hmm. with, like, every ounce of my body. I get it. He has flashes. and He he's doesn't good. want you at the stadium either. He doesn't want me at the stadium, That's and right. therefore I don't want him at my stadium, <laughs> so he's getting sold for a bucket of baseballs. Um. Hmm. Wow, this is a long pause. I know she's deep because I for, I've well, I remember Cole, but I didn't remember who the other person you said was. Oh, Blake Snell. Oh, I'll give Cole the contract and okay, then platoon platoon <laughs> Blake Snell. Blake Snell. <laughs> I don't know how you'd platoon a pitcher, but but when I figure but, that out, yeah, you'll 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 start him in bullpen games. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll play devil's advocate. I'll defer Strider, plat mm. platoon Cole, and then sell Snell. Why is that? I don't know. I just think Strider has better stuff at this point in his career. He hides the ball better. Yeah. I think he just has better stuff, and I think it translates. I mean, it's two different leagues. It's different, but uh, I don't know. I think, yes, Cole is the better pitcher, but, you know, I just, for the sake of indifference and just stuff-wise, too, mm. I think. Yeah, really love his close to four ERA. Yeah, no, that's, <laughs> not what I, that's what I love about Spencer. No, we yeah, do, too. We do, too. We oh, love yeah. watching him get rocked, but. Watching him implode is one of the greatest. He just deserves everything he gets, and that's just the beauty of the game. Well, I'm deferring Cole's contract. Uh, yeah. I'm honestly... That's the thing about Snell, though, is he's so inconsistent from year to year. Like, so inconsistent from year to year. He's had two great years and three years where he's arguably a three-starter. Yeah, but at least he doesn't yap. At least he doesn't yap. <laughs> and that's all we have time for here on Nosebleeds, WFUV's best if only baseball podcast. I want to thank, thank Brian Rayback for pinch hitting, coming in at a clutch moment in the bottom MVP. of the ninth and producing for us and chiming in with some great knowledge. This has been an excellent podcast. I hope to do more with you guys. Dan Bartels, Maddie Bumonte, I'm Nick Palmer. Put me in, coach. Put us in because we're ready to play. Spring training coming up your way. Thanks for listening. Thank you.